into the ground. We're back. Another week. Another guest. Another friend. We got recording engineer, producer, extraordinaire, former member of Defeater, current member of Death of a Nation. We got Jay Moz. What's up? What's up, man? How you good doing? Good to see you. Uh, good to see good. you again. It's been very recent. I just saw recent. you uh, quite recently, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we talked about it on the podcast. I don't know if it came out yet. It should be out soon, but uh, King of the Burbs. Another year. King of the Burbs, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for people who might not know, uh, describe us King of the Burbs a little bit. I know Jesse talked about it when she was on, but... Yeah. So King of the Burbs, for the uninitiated, which I would imagine is most, um, is what started as a birthday present uh, from Jesse, my wife, to myself, because I don't like things, and so... <laughs> more of an uh, experience okay. guy? Um, yeah, barely. But I, I don't know what it, I just don't like anything. But okay. like, yeah. Um, but yeah. So it started as we were watching this show. Um, actually, this is something I do really like. Was called King of the Road, which is essentially like a skateboarding scavenger hunt show that was on Vice, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was like hyper obsessed with it because I, you know, grew up as a bit of a skate rat. And um, so, as my wife typically is quite thoughtful she came up with this idea that for my birthday instead of getting me stuff which i hate she got me an experience which was basically recreating the show at this big party that we threw at the house um and then obviously it's not like skate challenges but it's like inspired by king of the road but we live out here in the burbs so it's just like burb challenges and, and it's, it's it's essentially a big fucked up scavenger hunt so yeah for sure 100%. <laughs> no. With, is, there uh, like a, is there like a cheesecake factory involved i picture that's pretty burb delicious there, um there isn't one in town but i mean like there might as well be uh Many of the challenges would work at a cheesecake factory. Ooh. Yeah, I would describe the, uh, the the challenge book to be cheesecake factory density in terms of its its breadth and mm. width. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's a tiered challenge list of like more and more fucked up things. Yeah, well, that's why if you want to win, you got to start from the back of the book. Yeah, you got to go right to the most fucked up stuff. <laughs> start Just there get the early. Get edge. the max. Oh, dude, you have to. Yeah. Well. Uh, it's funny, yeah, you haven't competed in the last couple of years, though, because you were too good at it? Well, yeah, I started getting booze in my own house, so I was like... <laughs> like on your own, like, birthday, yeah, too. That, yeah, that, yeah, I, I feel like that probably happens pretty regularly, right? I get booze oh, in here, my house here, all the time. I get nothing but booze, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just walk in the room like, boo! Um, no, it, basically what happen, happened is I'm quite competitive, uh... I so happened to win the first three years that I played. My team won three years. Wait, so wait. I think we need to backtrack real quick to just describe how competitive you are. Okay. Because last time I was at your place, about like two years ago, uh, you were challenging me to a hot sauce eating contest. Yep. To which I declined because I'm like, yeah. I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And then you decided to do it on your own for an audience of no one but yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That sums me up pretty well. Um, <laughs> Well, because most challenges are just to make someone look like a bitch, you know what yeah. I mean? So I was like hoping that you would do it and cry or something, but then because you didn't do it, 
I just did it in front of you to show you that I could <laughs> but and you, would. I, I, a couple of tears were shed on your end, though. So who who really won and who lost? Me. I win because I did it. <laughs> but you lost also because you did it. No, that's not how I see it at <laughs> you all. You suffered the repercussions. No, no, you oh lose because you didn't try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was one thing you did. You you were very proud of me for was uh, I wasn't going to compete this year because again I was on vacation and I mm. wanted to just kind of get drunk and 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 lounge and. A team needed someone else, and I, I joined in and actually had a fucking blast. So, I'm very glad to hear that. I, I did love that we were in a Tesla, and I love that we were just like, uh, take us to a cemetery, and then it just like drove us there. <laughs> oh, that's a cool edge, right? It you was, can just ask the car. Yeah, we literally just was like, take us to a cemetery, take us to Rob Zombie's house. We just did it, you know? <laughs> did it really take you to Rob Zombie's house? Well, we put in the address, and it took <laughs> yeah, us there, yeah, like most great. cars do, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what also was very funny, though, was the white leather interior uh, yeah. that was immediately preceded by, hey, can you dive headfirst through a puddle of blood? Yeah, that's not good for Dave's car. I know which Tesla you were in. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he loved that. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. But yeah, it's it's a, it's such a good time. It was so much fun. Good. I'm very glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So I think this might be... Oh, I mean, it might be. It definitely is the first time we've ever had um, husband and wife both on the podcast. For people yeah. who may not know, your wife, Jesse was on one of the earlier episodes talking about the used, mm-hmm. uh, which is a record I ended up enjoying by the end of this. Which one? Uh, In Love and Death, I think it was. I don't know. I don't not my specific the used record, one. but, yeah. you know, it ended up being stuck in my head for, for weeks after. Something this yeah, record That's where might you not and I be. differ. <laughs> I was that's relieved fair. to never have to listen to that again. You know, that's how it goes. Well, uh, Jay, we, we got a unique scene report from you, though. You literally just got back from When We Were Young Fest. Yeah, like, like yesterday, which, yeah. Which was pitched as the fire fest of pop punk. Sure, Which yeah. it, almost, it almost was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can I have some eyewitness reporting for you. So anything? You yeah, I'd know, love to I hear prob- the. You got boots know. on the ground at, at we were when we were young. <laughs> fast. I'd love to get the scene report. So obviously, day one's canceled by wind. Um, <laughs> yeah, was it, it was it re- truly that windy? It, it was. It was yeah. really windy. I mean, so I don't. I've been to Warped Tour like, and watched merch tents fly across a a racetrack before. I, I've so. seen that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was in that category. I don't know, man. I'll say this: even on the second day, the winds weren't like done, and you know he saw some lighting rigs kind of shimmying and like like things were moving, but yeah. it it didn't feel crazy. There was like maybe one or two moments where I was backstage on main stage, kind of looking at just like the rigging swaying a mm-hmm. little bit, and I was like, ah, okay, I kind of get it. I mean, it's sort of like. I'm not a rigger, so I have no idea, but like, could you make this sturdier? Maybe, probably, but could you make it sturdier in that amount of time? I don't know. Um, But it was definitely very windy that day. I am not an authority on whether or not it was windy enough to cancel a festival. I would imagine, this is pure speculation, of course, but I would imagine that the lawyers uh, and the insurance companies for that fest kind of congregated and looked at, uh, you know, what would the insurance cover in terms of wind speed versus, yeah. like, negligence clauses versus, like, act of God clauses. Yeah, and I'm went, sure like, there was a lot of 
decisions made there. I'm sure. So <clears throat> it got canceled. There ended up being a bunch of pop-up shows. So I went to the Wonder Years, uh, Touche. Uh, no, no, lot. Sorry, lot of dispute show. Um, oh, how was, was that? It was. That was great. It was packed. Uh, dude, it sold out in one minute because you have 50,000 oh people. No, one minute. Like, you have 50,000 people who are like, what am I going to do tonight? And everyone's yeah. waiting for yeah, the yeah. pop-up shows. Yeah. Right. So um, so it just went on sale, and it was gone. Um, I got in there because, fortunately for me, uh, I'm, like, with people who are associated with booking the fest and stuff. Yeah. So, um, but um, the show was sick. Um, and yeah. And then the next day I thought ran pretty smoothly if I, if okay. I may like, yeah, like it's hard to know exactly. Cause like I had like the all access pass, so I could just go wherever. So I didn't deal with much. So I, you might want to ask someone who had to like deal with stuff. I just, not. yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I know anybody who went for like gen pop, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have those kind of friends now. Yeah, yeah, it's not that type cool. of podcast. <laughs> this is a, yeah, an elder elite podcast. Yeah. Um, but no, it was great, dude. I ran, I just ran into so many people. Like my friend Ricky, um, I knew from when we toured with August Burns Red, he was front of house for them. And I just like was walking around, like back behind the main stage. I saw Ricky. He's like, What's up, Ricky? He's like the best dude ever. Um, and I was like, what, Why are you here? And he's like, Oh, I'm like front of house for Jimmy World now. I was like, That oh, would shit. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just like homies everywhere and just, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. I think that would be the main kind of, uh, you know, motivation to go would just be to like see people I haven't seen in years, you know? Totally. It was a lot of like, sorry, I'm four seconds into this conversation and being distracted by nine people I haven't seen in a decade. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Totally. A lot of those, oh, dude, how's it been conversations going <laughs> yeah, <you're> on? Like, <laughs> in what aspect? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's so funny. But like, it was because the one thing looking at that when it was first like announced, like in terms of like the run of show, it was just so dense with so much stuff dense. happening at yeah. the same time. How how many stages were there? Five. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. How like spread apart was it? Was it like warp tour style spread apart or about yeah about like Coachella style like I've never been to Coachella so I'm not me sure neither, but, but it um it was like spread apart enough so that if you were out of stage you weren't getting like crossbleed mm -hmm. except like right as a band was finishing soundcheck and about to go on you would hear like whatever but yeah. like as soon as the band starts like you know you're just in it um i thought it was pretty well done honestly i know like because i talked to some of the bands that played like they had some rf issues so there was some interference stuff i think there was some like wireless monitoring issue stuff um that's the main complaint i heard as far as the crowd went and the separation went and all that stuff each stage could have like a literal like insane amount of people at the stage and it looked great and i was out front enough to say it sounded great i think early on when i was watching i think dashboard i felt bad dashboard had like some audio issues where things were cutting out and like you'd only hear the drums and stuff but they were pretty early so um shortly after that things got resolved but yeah i mean no fun for them, right? They've been waiting, but hopefully they'll be there next weekend, and hopefully it'll be all. Yeah, so. it's a, it's a, it's happening again this weekend too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's crazy because every um, every show's the same show, so it's not like oh, I got the weekend pass and like this band's playing on this day and this band's playing on that day. Oh, I didn't it's realize like, that. Yeah, no, it's it's just the same. The show same over lineup over. for yep. like four days. 
Yep. Oh, that's interesting. And that's crazy that it sold out the way it did like that. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, so, originally it was just one day, and yeah. then it sold out. So, we're like, all right, what's out a day? Fucking sells out. That's and wild. Just kept, yeah, it just kept adding days until it didn't. Uh, so, I guess, uh, who, who are the standout performances, you think? I mean, let me preface this. Oh, for me, my favorite performance was Manchester Orchestra, but they're also okay. my f- favorite band on the fest. Really? Um, okay. That I hadn't seen yet. Um, we and- we did a circling back episode about like a virgin, and uh, that Andrew never listened to them before, and haven't since. <laughs> nice. They are um, an incredible live band, though. I, I, I mean, jaw dropping for me. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it was so good. But I'll say, um, you know, to, to be at the fest means hopefully to be a, a fan of the genre or otherwise. But uh, like the Pierce the Veil set was crazy. Um, I'm homies with, uh, you know, Story So Far dudes. They crushed it. Oh, you know what? Actually, um, Four Year Strong, man, like, love those dudes. And they like, destroyed it like i saw their set and like dude like i was so i'm i was with aria who's like the artist that i manage and he was sort of you know he's 26 right i'm 42 right (laughs) so it's like it's a whole different thing yeah and um and he was like he literally leaned over he's like i had literally no idea that four-year strong pulled like this and i was like yeah yeah and it was wild very engaged i was hanging out with alan and the dudes after mm-hmm. they were all hype i mean it was just like it was just a really good look it was awesome yeah for that's another band that like delivers live like big time delivers for yeah sure. just huge energy yeah. mm-hmm. and you got any when we were young questions no how <laughs> was a lot of dispute i haven't seen them they i didn't realize that they were still together until they announced that this tour was happening yeah, so um, I wasn't able to see them at the fest just for logistics and stuff. I mean, probably Those better logi- to see them in the in the pop up show anyway. You know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that um, that show I went to at, at a venue, the, it was crazy. Like from what I understand, they typically operate at a two fifty cap. They let an additional 200, 200 people in, and then the Jesus. guest list was seventy to one hundred people. <laughs> so oh my God. you couldn't move in there. It was yeah. Nuts. That that sounds like my nightmare. Um. But I went up front for them, watch King Park, and I, that sounded as good as ever. I mean, they're a pro band. Um, uh, I, I thought it was awesome. That's cool. Yeah, the, uh, I, I was just sharing with a friend. I found out she lived in the punk house in Amherst, Mass, Dad City. Um, and I went to a show, a, a lot of dispute show there when I was in college in 2009 or 2010. And I think it was literally 10 or so. No, there was like probably 25, 30 people there seeing a lot of dispute. And then a year Mm -hmm. later, they sold out the Barbary, like almost a year to the day. And it was just, it's wild how big a van they got. Um, Jay, you're a musician, if I understand correctly. (laughs) Sure. I saw your band once, Defeater. I, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> you, you remember me seeing your band? That's cool. Yeah, yeah um, it was awesome. It was a Philly house show, and I don't remember the house, but at oh, was some it in point, the basement? Yeah, and at some point the power yeah. blew. Oh, that's so funny! You were there for that. Yeah, I know it was, exactly it what was you're talking about. Such a core memory now. Like it was one of the most amazing. You, I, I had never uh, heard the band before, but everybody down there was so stoked. Like, cool. Do you remember that happening? 
Oh, like it was yesterday. Really? Uh, yeah. So the power went out at this crazy opportune time. It was during our last song, a song called Cowardice. And we, it was like the last song that was on our first LP. Mm-hmm. And we typically closed with that song. And there was this like back and forth vocal between the lead vocalist and myself. Um, and the power goes out. But the cool thing is, is like you sort of only need the drums for that part. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. all you got to hear. And uh, so... Yeah. The power went out, and we just kind of looked for like half a second at each other, like, well, let's keep going. Let's and it. yeah, and so because the crowd like was pretty emphatic, again, it was just a packed like basement show, oh, which yeah. are, in my opinion, kind of the coolest shows. And like, we just kept going, and the crowd did it with us. And we called oh. for, for like years, we called it the blackout, and we would do quote, like the blackout. At shows where the power, most shows, the power does not go out. So like, right. we, we, we like Thankfully. did that. Yeah, we did that for years because of that one experience at that basement show in Philly where it was just so, we were just like, that was the sickest fucking shit ever. Like we just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we just like, kept singing, the crowd kept singing with us. And then the power came back on right around the time that we needed Cause like <laughs> that bridge goes into like a really explosive last chorus and uh-huh. the power came back on right when we we're supposed to hit like that downbeat and just like bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah. And like, and it just happened. I remember we all walked away from that show. We were like, all right, well, it's like magic. That was crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, lightning totally. about. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was Dan, super you weird. you weren't yeah. there, right? I was not. I was actually okay. just looking it up. So that La Dispute show, I talked about them selling out the Barbary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also the time I saw Defeater. That same show. Yeah, I remember that show, actually. <laughs> Wait, so who, do you remember who you were on tour with for this house show? It might have been Energy. Mm. Um, or it might have just been us. We went like early on in the band because we were friends with a bunch of Philly people. We would get just like offers of like, yeah, like come here. And we right. would. Yeah. And like, I remember early on, every time we went to Philly, we would lose money, but it was like a really fun time. So we just kind of kept doing it. <laughs> Same thing happens every time I go to Philly. <laughs> I was going to say, Philly is a really fun way to lose money. I, uh, yeah. I have a lot of experience in that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like um, Philly? Philly rips, right? I love Philly. Yeah. 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 I love Philly too. Me too. <laughs> it's very, I, Andrew, I, you've made it very clear how much you love Philly on this podcast. Feel, I, dude, I remember the first time we played Philly. I remember this, like, what's that street that starts with the P that goes like diagonally through the other streets? Passyunk? Yeah, 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 that one. What did, and I'm was, sorry, Dan, what did you say? Passyunk? Okay, that's not how it's pronounced, but go ahead. <laughs> Wait, Jay. how is it pronounced? Passyunk? Passyunk? Yes. All right. You sound like uh, you sound like you're from Massachusetts. With your pronunciations over there. I mean, the street is the street is named after being past Shunk Street. Oh, so it's Pashunk. Interesting. Sure. Anyway, Dan hates being wrong. It's, it's very his, true. It's, it's honestly <laughs> his worst thing. Jay, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we're good. Uh, and whoever we were staying with was like, "Yeah, just park here." And it was like literally like double parking, like on like this street. Oh, yeah. It was just like okay. To be double parked. And I was like, but what if like these people have to go to work? And they were like, yeah, you just got to like move your car. And I was like, but like, how would I know to do that? (laughs) Yeah, you'll know. You just know. Yeah, it was crazy. You just double park overnight. And they're like, "Mm -hmm, this is cool. I'm like, how is this cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the and that's what's so funny is like the Philly Parking Authority is literally one of the most ruthless organizations in the country, uh, to the point where they had their own show for a while. 
Oh, well. Just about them, like, towing cars and shit. But, like, the stuff that they allow versus don't allow is insane. Right. <laughs> like, people park on the sidewalk in Fishtown. Just, like, right. fully on the sidewalk. And, but, like, you'll, you'll, like, stay past a meter for, like, a minute and a half and you'll get, like, a boot. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, no, Philly's always been great to us. Uh, I like that city. It's, um, I remember we played with... It was like one of the dudes from Nunmore Black up in like North Philly at mm-hmm. um, some weird venue, and we were playing with a band that what were they called? The front, the star, some band that eventually turned into Man Overboard, uh, and I can't remember oh. the name. But, um, I Justin what was band in, they were in it beforehand. Yeah, and um, we played up there like with one of the dudes who was like in the loved ones or some, some shit like that. Anyway, it was a cool show, but like, dude, the first time I drove through North Philly, I was like, Oh, this, <laughs> am I in Bosnia? Like where am I right now? Like, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I went to a ton of shows up there. Uh, but when I was living in central Jersey, I knew a ton of people who were running houses in, in North Philly, like temple area on like diamond street, like really, really not great. And I remember like, my buddy ran IHOP House and then the Double Deuce. And in Philly, there's, like, block captains, which are essentially, like, semi-self-appointed yes. people who run no, the block. No, we noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, it was called the Boiler Room, by the way. We played the Boiler Room. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. So, yeah, the the guy literally was just, like, pulled a gun on my friend and was just like, you're right. bringing too many people to the neighborhood. <laughs> you gotta stop. Uh, and that was kind of the end of that. But yeah, I, yeah, it was just wild shit. I remember a bunch of us went to uh, like a, oh, what was it? Like a corner store kind of, a bodega, if you will. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, the full like inch and a half thick, like bulletproof glass in front yeah, of right. everything. And we walk in like a bunch of like, you know, white dudes and, and the guys are in there and they go, oh shit, who called the cops? <laughs> I love that. Of us like, all walking in. But uh, yeah, it was it was wild back then. It still is. We talk about it all the time. Like, does this stuff still exist? And the answer has to be yes. You know, dude. We we were talking to the promoter before we went up there, and he was like, "Yeah, so there's like 12 shootings in Philly last night. Um, like that that resulted in death, and um, six of them were on this block. And I was like, mm. cool. This seems like a like a, a cool place to play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was like, okay. But, I mean, like, all the years that I played Philly shows, I can only think of a couple times that anything ever happened that was like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. luckily, most of it, when I was too young to realize that I should have been afraid of yeah, those situations. Yeah, I think that's a major part of it. <clears throat> like, I, when I was in high school, you know, we were going to, like, the kill time and stuff, and... uh I shouldn't have been, a, you know, I had no business being over them that in that neighborhood at like 16 years old, but you know, it's where the, the show saves the day somewhere. That's where the <laughs> college housing is, and you know, uh-huh. shows would follow. But uh, yeah, no, that's I mean, some of those Philly basement shows were, yeah, just like you said, some of the most fun nights ever, though. Just like, oh, like core yeah, I mean, for us, it like redefined yeah. the end of our set for like over a year. Easily. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. It's crazy that Andrew was there. I'm curious. Who you were there to see? Oh, I went because my friends went. Oh, okay. Nice. I mean, I, like, I wanted, you know, I wanted to go to a show, so I no, went. No, you definitely, you know, yeah, you were, like, really into my band. It's fine. Friends. Like, I get well, it. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, that, I mean, that also kind of, um, you know, further kind of goes into what we talk a lot about in the show. It's like, 
back in the days if you just went to a show because the show was happening. Yeah. You know? Yep. And that was sure. such a great feeling and I mean, such like, a fun way to grow up. Probably 2008, 2007. Eight or nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah around there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Probably eight, honestly. And yeah. I was like aged. I shouldn't have been going to shows. You know what I mean? I shouldn't have been going to basement shows at my age then. Well, how old were you in 2008? Like 27. Oh, so you're like my age. Okay. Yeah. I was like 28. Yeah, I feel like yeah. 27, you know, you shouldn't. Shouldn't be know. hanging around college campuses. Couldn't be. Shouldn't be hanging around college kids. Yeah, why were you there? Had. Like, what were you up to? What was your real agenda? No, I. You know, I, I'm trying <laughs> to dating groom, one of them. I'm trying to groom <laughs> exactly. scenesters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, into... why else would you be there? <laughs> uh, were you Were you married at this point, Andrew, or were you post marriage at that point? I, I mean, if it was 2008 or 2009, depending on like. The time of year, yeah, I was probably married to my first wife. Okay, yes. interesting. Is it <laughs> a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. it's experience, right? We just hopefully get better the more we try. I had, I have a first wife, so first wives, man. Did like, everyone's right? got one? You yeah. know, at some point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, Dan. You're slacking. I, I really am. I'm just you too got picky. none wives, bro. I, I don't understand. <laughs> you, uh, I mean, what's your deal? <laughs> Just get a wife, dude. Yeah, just, why is it so hard? Just pick one up, dog. It's, it's really, hard. it's not, it's not easy to date when you work nights and weekends all the time. It really. Sucks. No, it's easy to marry though. Just that's yeah. play, that, play that security <laughs> chip. You oh should be one of those guys who just, you know, gets married after four weeks. You know, four dates. I think that's just Five how it's dates. gonna happen. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm just sick of waiting. Let's just we'll yeah, figure it out. We'll, you'll do. Fuck it, we'll do it live. You know, let's dude, just roll the dice. Yeah. I'm just I just want the tax benefits, you know. I'm trying to get someone's benefits. I could see you actually wanting that. <laughs> yeah, I just want benefits? the health insurance. Come on. Yo, I got that. What oof. I got that. That Under Armour health insurance right now. Let I got tell that shit you, boy. too. It was awesome. Boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, health insurance fucking rips. Yo, if anything goes wrong, it's just like I guess I'll go get this taken care of. It's gonna cost me money, but Oh yeah, literally I was talking to my friend at the Algernon show. And uh, the coffee pot, or I was talking to the coffee pot at the Outron show. <laughs> no, my my buddy uh, Johnny was like telling me about how he found like a sliding scale dentist. <laughs> it's like that's the kind of shit I'm dealing with over here. He's like, yeah, he 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 used to be a freelancer back in the day before he went to dental school, so he's really good about freelancers. You, I gotta be honest, that sort of fucks. I don't know oh, how yeah. you know about the current like dental infrastructure. I don't. I've I've never but had a cavity. Jay, how, how often do you go to the dentist? Like, not enough. <laughs> okay, so I don't know if you guys have noticed, but over the past few years, maybe five years, ten years, dentists are no longer like feel like doctors' offices. Like they're okay. more set up to be like just money making. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's a bad feeling. It's a bad feeling when uh, you know you have somebody come in before they even tell you what's going on and talk about like your 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 treatment plans and how much it's going to cost. Sure. Like, yeah, can right. we hear about what's going on first? Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking loan office at the bank. How now, jacked up you know? is my shit? Like, Hey, so we need to do this and this, but first off, we're going to have to get up like, you know, a percentage plan and, uh, you know, we're going to have to handle your financials. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's also, all right. It's insane to me, let alone that like dental is even already like further divorced from health insurance in general. Like same thing with uh, eye coverage. Agreed. 
I've only ever had eye coverage when I was in the fucking grocery store, like cashier clerk union. <laughs> I was in like the United Food and Workers Union when I was fucking 18, 19 years old. And both my parents are school teachers. And my insurance as an Acme clerk was better than I had under my parents. <laughs> but do I'm you in. think your parents just elected on the cheap shit? No. I mean, it, as a public school teacher, you're. It's probably you get the power what they of give a union. You, yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, I had. It was the only time I've ever had health, dental, and eye coverage. Guys, I just want to say this is exactly what I thought I would be talking about on this podcast. So thank you. You know, it's it's really <laughs> Jay. You know, what, Jay, what do you want to talk about? This, this. Thank you. This is exactly. I let's mean, go listen, deep. We bring it all for everybody. It's we we touch all the bases. Honestly, I think I spent a whole episode talking about like photo usage l- rules. Oh, I feel God. like this. I think you out? did that in my living room too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but. That was no, like I mean, twenty five minutes of my life on that. Listen, back. our our demographics are very similar to what's in this chat right now. Older older men, uh, and I honestly think that talking about fucking health insurance is something that plagues all of us. You know, Jay. Let me ask you what everybody really wants to know. Have you yeah. ever had a paranormal experience? No, of course not. Wait, have you? Have you not? No, they're not real. Oh shit! Oh man, yeah. that took a turn. Yeah, there's no oh, way. Oh man, no, I've never. What do you had... mean? There's no way. Okay, uh, yeah, you're right. Um, I can't say that there's <laughs> no, no that there's no him way to agree. <laughs> no, I'm not agreeing. I'm not agreeing. Listen, listen, yes, I, I, on, I would like to go on record if I can. Um, I would say somewhere in between the margin of 99.9 percent and 100 percent of reported paranormal experiences are just people's brains doing stuff it's it's not it's not the other thing so you take up an occam's razor approach i don't know what that means but <laughs> the simplest solution is usually the solution <laughs> yeah it's uh like have you ever bought like a new car or like like if you're like into something you'll see it so like like if i, I would like never see like x y or z car like whatever but then i buy one or think i'm uh, maybe i'm a, you know i'm gonna buy that car like in that I car see it everywhere he see, yeah. see it everywhere yeah you see it right. everywhere so right. you're thinking if so i if i want to see a ufo bad enough i'll see one you'll think you did i yeah. mean i guess i guess if you just keep how often do you stare at the sky at night i don't think that's really a requirement i think I, I, like, I, I think, yeah, you can stare up there, but like, if you have a, a preconceived notion on anything, like you'll find it. If we really want to deep dive here, I mean, you just go through history and people thought all kinds of stuff that definitely wasn't real or true was real or true. And they base our lives around it because it was, um, you know, part of the conversation of their like society at the time. And so therefore like those, like, mm, what we call those sort of like, uh, you know, uh, echo rooms of like belief existed mm. and, you know, you gained other things from believing. And so, yeah. So no, I have not had a paranormal experience because probably that's fake. Okay. okay so, so you're obviously religious. Um, yeah, let's quite, talk yeah. a <laughs> so, so wait, a, a different approach. Uh, so if We're gonna you bully if, him into liking ghosts. Yeah, no if, way, dude. It's impossible. Take, taking a different belief system approach. If I put a UFO on my vision board, do you think I can manifest one? 
No, manifesting is not real. <laughs> hope is hope is not real. None hope of that is shit real. is real. <laughs> Nothing that you just like think. Like when people are like, "Well, I, I asked the universe." It's like, uh, no, you just like want something, and that probably led to you behaving in a way that led you to feel like you were being affirmed, and then you sort of got it-ish, and then the universe gave it to you. It fucking didn't. You just, like, you're thinking some wild bullshit. The fact of the matter is, it's just, we just got what we got. It's right here. Just, like, be rational, please, Christ. Just, <laughs> Christ, that's funny. But be rational, <laughs> right? And, um, and, and whatever. So, no, like... Uh, no, no paranormal. This actually, this actually leads me perfectly to my next question. Uh, Jay, what's your sign? Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you think I got to where I was f- through like hard work and perseverance, you're sorely mistaken. That's for sure. You know. So how how I do think- we get where we get? You, uh, you in particular, I think I can make some assumptions. <laughs> me, with my yeah. school teacher parents. Yeah, they're really bankrolling me over here. Yeah, but it's not just that, too. I mean, there's like, uh, you know, when our um, proclivities line up with opportunities, even though that we maybe not necessarily see that they're lining up, we think that like we're doing really well and we might be doing well in that space, but it's usually a a combination of like different circumstances culminating into an outcome. And then we can sometimes take that outcome and then we'll make something more of it that's like not true or real Mm. and then like base a bunch of shit on that, which is also not true or real. Yeah, I think I'm just really good at talking to people, and well, uh, and that and that's kind of become a lost art a little bit. So, I, so no I've one has like interactions Kanye, any like all this Kanye shit, right? Like, I, I don't know if you guys watch the Lex Friedman podcast. It's like my favorite one, but no, um, I have no he, idea what that so, is actually. Uh, you gotta like everyone needs to listen to Lex. Actually, I want you to make your point, and then I have a couple Lex Friedman questions. Okay, okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, so, like, I just saw Kanye today or yesterday on the Lex podcast, and I thought it was handled like really, really well. And something occurred to me with both like Donald Trump, uh, Kanye West, and many other people who are probably uh, intelligent, creative, narcissist nightmare machines that like when they talk like and they offer i don't know authoritative opinion vernacular spewed at a velocity that's insane people will some not all but some people will line up and then that will like reinforce like them their own narcissism and then so they keep doing it because like the people that stand behind them will validate this like spew um right and- do you think anybody who is like one degree away from either of those people is has ever said no. You no. know what I mean? Like yeah, right. I don't think I don't think there's a counterbalance in like those inner circles in in a way that would be meaningful. Yeah, no, it's just fucking it's just I, classic like just cheap. an echo chamber. Yeah, totally. And just, I yeah. I I can say like from experience that like just anyone who speaks or carries themselves with any form of confidence Correct. Will get you through seventy five percent of things you need to do. I, uh, I, I mean, I work with corporations and things like that of people who make money I couldn't even imagine who still don't know what the fuck they're doing. That's like, most people. Yeah. yeah. No, literally, one of the most affirming pieces of knowledge I've ever obtained that I urge everyone to obtain is that everyone is just fucking winging it. Everyone in the world is just winging it. And a lot of people are winging it with a support team behind them or 
backing by so, some support team or they're just kind of at the top of the pyramid and a lot of other people are actually doing most of the work for them but everyone is just winging it <laughs> and yeah. you can wing it too if you're confident enough about it and you are knowledgeable enough about it in the back end you can just kind of rest on muscle memory and confidence and then you can also say yes and figure it out later and it's so important to just like people suffering from imposter syndrome something i do sometimes as well is just realize everyone else is also fucking feeling like a fake too and you know there's so i feel like it's it's even less so like nowadays like especially after covid people's interpersonal relations are took such a nosedive that if you're able to talk to someone one-on-one and you're easy to get along with like you can accomplish like almost anything you need to do i don't think i had the benefit of covid affecting my like personal relationships well i I don't mean necessarily personal i mean there's a lot of people like people just didn't see each other in the world whether they were related as blood or family or friends or whatever but just even like going to a bar or restaurant and interacting with people who you're not immediately connected to like that's something people don't do like people talk through their phones all the time people don't even like making phone calls people don't like calling the pizza yeah, place that's like, very true and i love making phone calls I if anybody ever, the same age the if anybody ever wants to call me and talk for 90 I minutes i'm love game the phone let's I am phone fucking game oh yeah that's how this podcast started was me and andrew would just go on like two hour phone calls talking about music and and now he gets mad at me when i call because we're, we're losing content for the pod nice. <laughs> It, uh, that's not entirely true. <laughs> entirely true. Yeah. <sighs> all right. So Jay, I, I guess I can skip all this stuff about like religion. Um, I, mean, I was going to see mean, if you wanted to talk I, about I Jesus Christ to my savior. No, but. What was the, uh, what was the podcast thing you had questions for about Jay? Oh, I just, you know what? I don't know anything about that dude. Um, he, he talks oh, to Lex. a lot of people that I would consider to be questionable people. Okay. Um, uh, define that, dude. Let's get deep. Well, what's, what's a questionable person? <laughs> well, he did like he did like a Joe Rogan. Is that um, a questionable person? I think so. Okay. Uh, I, do you want to talk about Joe? Are you like Joe Rogan? I don't uh, think there are good or bad people. I just think that there are okay. actions and like th- that. Like, I don't, I, I would imagine that most people don't think that what they're doing is malicious. And right. yeah, so like when I say, like, no, I have no like strong affinity for Mr. Rogan, but I also like far cry from demonizing anyone. No, true. I, I, you know what? And there's a lot of his content that I like. Um, you know, I like aliens. Or I like the, the idea of aliens. Sure, yeah. I like people who 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 claim to be uh, experts going on, and you know what I mean. Like, I think that's interesting. Emphasis on claim to be. Love that. Claim. Yeah. No. Yeah, I totally. totally. Alleged. Yeah. Uh, alleged experts. Um, you know, and a lot of people hate Joe Rogan. Um, and the only thing I would say, I guess, critically about him is that I feel like he has. Um, he has a, a very specific type of, of fan, like a very specific type of follower. And I describe, think that describe, Oh my God. No, I, you know, I think there's like, Oh 
fuck, how do I word this without saying like the dumb smart man? Um, I think there are people, I think there are people who just want knowledge, um, but are also very critical of who gives them that knowledge. And I think that Joe Rogan comes across as just a normal enough guy to be non-threatening. You know what I mean? He's like a man's man. You know what I mean? So like, if you want to hear somebody talk to you about, you know, whatever, uh, he's a, you know, if you're, if you're a dude who wants to listen to dudes, he's a dude. If that I, makes sense. I think he does he's someone to who talks dude. to people non-condescendingly. That's I think it's like a big aspect of it. That seems just like a good thing. What? That seems like a good thing. Yeah, it, sure. doesn't, it doesn't happen on this podcast, but... <laughs> sure, um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's just like he's someone who just like, no matter what the person on the other end of the conversation saying, he like sounds interested to hear more no matter what, you know? And kind of lets that- people talk. And I'm is saying this bad? as someone who's maybe never actually listened to a Joe Rogan podcast at all. But, uh, so an expert, if you will. And, sure. um, I just feel like it's just like, yeah, he just has people on and kind of just is like, oh yeah. So like everything they say, you know? No, uh, I, I mean, I think he has rebuttals that are interesting, but. I agree. Yep. Um, but it also depends on the subject for me. I'm not li- I'm not listening to a Jordan Peterson episode. You know yeah, sure. I mean? I'm not listening to a Ben Shapiro episode. Sure, sure. Because those values don't align with mine. Sure. But I will listen to a Bob Lazar episode. Sure. Because Bob Lazar is a freak, and those and those and those do align with my values. <laughs> super supernatural and aliens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. Um, so my question would be like, uh, I'm now interviewing you. This is my podcast now. So me. why, like, like I see, see, I think it's important to listen to those who have platforms and have gained sort of like some traction, but like maybe offer viewpoints that are differing from those that we personally hold. Because I think like one thing I think that's happening with the internet, blah, Twitter, echo chamber, blah, 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 like whatever, like, is that like, we find our little like communities, our little tribes, our little bubbles. And then we reinforce these belief systems. It's the same thing as a supernatural. It's the same thing as religion. It's honestly the same thing as music, right? It's like, it's like, like if you've grown up in the politics of music and stuff and it's like, Oh, it's cool to like this, but that band sucks. Like, but like why, you know what I mean? And I found like, go to, this is hardcore, right? I've played it a couple times. What do you primarily, see you primarily see like angry white young men in like kind of uniform if we will right and it's like that's like this like weird echo chamber subculture that like if you showed up with the uh wrong t-shirts uh you are the wrong demographic and like have like the just the wrong feng shui overall Mm -hmm. like you probably will not receive the same amount of communal acceptance that those who look the part receive i think that it is quite important for us to challenge ourselves and go down rabbit holes that we think kind of suck just to kind of see what's down there i think that's a good point but i don't think i mean i would wear a uh hawaiian shirt and air max 90s to uh this That's basically hardcore. the this is hardcore uniform. <laughs> it kind of is, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say I don't know if it still is. That I, was I my. Was, I was my... mentally putting together my this is hardcore like outfit in my head just yeah, now. Yeah, what is it? I think I, was, I know what mine is. Yeah, I was thinking like Nike Dunks, like skin tight black jeans, white belt with a belt buckle, and like a youth uh, like like t ball shirt. Yes, and, and maybe a, maybe a bandana. Year. 
Yeah. You know? I think I'm going black on black Vans Authentics. Well, I love that shit. Yeah. With the, with, with the brass eyelets or, or no? No. No? No, black eyelets. Right. Black, yeah. I like the brass uh, ones. And a, I'm, and a, and a black uh, Hanes pocket tee. That's pretty good. It's not I, far off how you dress right now anyway. No, I'm saying that's what that's what I would wear to this. Oh, no, I'm, I'm trying to that's a, what I wear. A we had a we, we had a saying in the Defeater van that I I really loved, which is like we are somebody's juggalos, you know? Which is like <laughs> oh like, my god. Like like we are someone's juggalos. And like everything is someone's juggalos, I think. Well, uh, I mean you're a bit of a uniform dresser, Jay. Quite, yep. <laughs> In terms of just all black, mm-hmm. except when you're in Miami, that's canon. Then I go white, yeah. Yeah, and then <laughs> Miami J. <laughs> yeah. Established on this podcast as a different person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, he fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike regular J. <laughs> well, he fucks in white. Regular oh. <laughs> J fucks in black. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, you should tell that again. Like a a repeater. Oh shit! Oh, like a repeater. Uh, I I think. I think. Yeah, talking politics and music and and uh, and and kind of tribes is is a very good transition. This is your Fugazi record. Repeater. Yeah, this is like your your Fugazi record. Your favorite Fugazi record. It's hard to pick for me, truthfully. Can can I I play? Can I play my little audio clip that I, I created this afternoon? Yeah. All right, here we go. Podcast. Here yeah. we go. Defeater. Yeah. Defeater. <laughs> Defeater. <laughs> Defeater. <laughs> I hate it. Oh that's so God. sick. <laughs> you know, that's, do you know? You know that's like why the band was called Defeater, right? Was it? Yeah. Because, I have no idea. <laughs> no, no, no. The the band, like for three days or something, was called Repeater. And then the label we were on said, hey, there's a Repeater who's already sort of whatever, like on a label, who's like established-ish. Um, we just can't use the name. And so I was like, ah, fuck. And so um, coming from me being a huge Fugazi fan and that being probably my favorite Fugazi record, although it's hard to pick. Um, I was like, fuck. So we went through all of these different names and we ended up with defeater for two reasons. Um, reason number one, it sounds like repeater because the band was literally just called repeater last week. Yeah. And then, um, also I was into that band Coliseum at the time and Mm. track two on that Coliseum record was defeater. And I was like, yeah, cool. Let's go. Wow. I I named it repeater. But then I got like told that I couldn't, so I just picked the fucking closest thing yeah, I yeah. could. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's yeah. funny. So that little audio clip is quite apt. Yeah. <laughs> All my hard work finally paid off. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. It's not quite as good as my "I Smell Frame in Kansas" uh, canvas clip, but you know, good. Yep. you know, they can't all be hits. It's close. Look, <laughs> I just like doing things that surprises Andrew and makes him laugh for the first time in years. So this was the first Fugazi LP, right? sort sort of. Okay, the first, how is the it first, not? It's the first Fugazi LP that was intended to be an LP because thirteen songs is sort of like a like dis- a collection of yeah, thirteen right. songs. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah, and then 
uh, repeater typically on CD sold as repeater plus three songs because three songs was like a previous release. That they just EP's, love they just love giving us more value. I think it is. Well, it, yes, it's a very value oriented band. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so repeat. It's like repeater plus three songs. But yeah, yeah, it's basically the first Fugazi LP. I intentionally ignored the last three songs. That's a terrible idea. I I tried to. Uh, I did I, Joe Joe Juan and Brendan. Yep, Brendan, and then I forget what the last song is. But song one sounds like a Beastie Boys song a little bit. Yeah, and it's sick. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. I, I I'm gonna go on record right now. I'm not a big Fugazi fan. It's okay. Uh, you can, it's crazy. You can be wrong. It's fine. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, I've been wrong so far, and it's worked. Uh, yeah, I, I, there are a few songs that I do love. I think what don't I'm you like t- about uh, the greatest punk and indie band of all time? I, it just missed me. I think I'm too too young. How old are you? Thirty four. Yeah, you might be. So, yeah, but, I, but I don't think you're too young to objectively enjoy like some of the greatest music. I, like of the genre defying music. I, I don't think it's that I miss the social movement that went along with this music. So did I. Did you? Did you ever see Fugazi live? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw them I saw them like in a in a Philly basement that your friends no, dragged. I to. saw them the power yeah, and then the power went out. <laughs> no, I saw them I wanna say I saw them at like um uh virginia tech not virginia tech virginia like makes all, sense because they're dc based on uh like on the lawn at some fucking college oh that's sick okay um, i mean see that's like a place to appreciate fugazi you know but i think like on the I steps mean, I, of the Capitol in a, in a campus the, quad like these are fugazi I saw the venues evens. i saw the evens more time than more times oh, than i saw cool. fugazi but i think that was just because by the time i was like thinking man i want to go see fugazi fugazi wasn't playing shows i mean they stopped playing what like 2001 yeah the argument came out in 2002 i can't remember if they toured on it but i think you're probably that that ballpark is about right yeah yeah i just you know and for a while the argument was my favorite it's so good what a great last record to have it's uh, it's just such like an aggregate of an entire lifetime's worth of create you know just the way they create is you know, because it's, it's so hard not to be like, man, Fugazi is just like an art rock band. Because I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, the guitars are quite angular. I would consider this to be the only jam band that I like. <laughs> but yeah, they do tell that sort line. of a jam band. Yeah, it's they, like, I mean, if you listen to like instrument and stuff right. particularly, but yeah, like they do tell that line where you can kind of, if I may though, like I, I was just talking to Andy who who I play in a, a quote band with um who was original drummer defeater with me and stuff too i was like i'm sort of bored of so much of the music that's coming out now and as an engineer like i very much know how the sausage is made and i'm sort of bored of it because it's like i can just hear the like mm, the cerebral calculation that goes behind and it's like i'm kind of yearning for like jazz in an indie and punk rock sense a reactive thing between humans that exists where I as a human and as a listener can hear sort of the master the mastery of the performer 
like mm-hmm. reacting to the mastery of another performer culminating into something that's greater than some of its parts. And it's like, you know, these days where we're like fucking gritting out drum samples and seeing who can be the heaviest and doing all this stuff is like super yawn to me. I'm like into Fugazi and into some of the stuff that we're writing. Cause I'm like, I miss just musicians being having to be fucking sick and having mm-hmm. to interact with one another and having to like capture something that again is sort of like lightning in a bottle. Like, We've gone through a couple decades post Fugazi of shit, more than a couple maybe, <laughs> of shit like, like uh, of us just like get how clean can we get like how like tight and like how impactful mm-hmm. and like you know, it, I'm just bored, dude. And like I want to listen to stuff where I can hear people who are just actually fucking really good interacting with other people who are actually fucking really good. And it's not. I don't even feel like it's necessarily good as in technical proficiency yeah because they're sloppy as fuck yeah for sure i feel like (laughs) it's good as you know for anybody who's not listening you know or trying to listen to each guitar track or you know all the parts going on there but like these are people who are able to perfectly emote with their instruments dude nailed it yes in a way that like i i I pick up a guitar and I'm like, this thing's useless in my hands because like I can't get it from here to here. You know sure, what I mean? And, sure. and they just do, it's like they have a direct line between the sound that's coming out of those tabs and like what's going on in their heads. And I just, I can't imagine that. Oh yeah. I would tabs very loosely. I think, I think the best music and, and arguably the best Fugazi stuff Okay, I'll, I'll cycle this back to how I like interpret this stuff for my own songwriting process and the things that I think made maybe earlier Defeater more special is that like a lot of the compositional material that ended up on the records that did really well for us were lightning in a bottle moments. So like we had the song Empty Glass that was on um, Empty Days and Sleepless Nights, which is by by a long shot like the most successful record that Defeater ever did. Um, that drum beat is Andy, who's, I'm playing with again, but Andy, I was trying to get him to do something, and he was just irritated and frustrated, and he couldn't do it. And then I just accidentally left shit recording, and when he couldn't do it, he broke out into just this, like, frustration, and he's just so happened to be in front of a drum set, and he just so happened to have fucking drumsticks in his hand, and he just played something that, like, was, like, just, like, it was, like, the output of his fucking frustration and i literally like walked into the live room and i was like the fuck was that and i was and it became one of the most successful songs we ever had and the reason i really believe that that was there is we captured the intangible um relative emotional thing that's the thing you want to grab like no one gives a fuck about like putting shit on the grid and we added a harmony here and whatever that like right. people want to fucking get the chills on their arm mm-hmm. they want to fucking feel something it's like how do we grab that and in the weirdest ways i accidentally grabbed that by pissing him off because i was trying to get him to do something else and he was so mad at me and he just wanted coffee and he just wanted me to shut the fuck up and so after not being able to do what i was hoping he could do which was an idea in my head that i didn't perfectly translate to him he just oh and they did something and i was like yes that that's what we need and then dan play that lo and behold what what song empty glass yeah empty glass yeah is it the beginning? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'll, yeah, you hear the whole beat, yeah. Oh my god! All right, here we go. It's the bridge that's the part that inspired the whole song, but yeah, right. Shh, shh, shh. 
Also, his hi-hat work is retarded in this. It's so good. Is like, what time the bridge? What's, what's the timestamp on the bridge? <laughs> Before. Before? Before this. Now, go back a little bit. Alright, here we go. But that's the beat. Here we go. This is the beat he did. That's whack. That's what I'm saying, dude. Andy. Andy. Holy shit. This guy. No, oh, that yeah, that Phil is insane. <laughs> right. And he was just mad at me. That's just what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's wild. That's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually dragging Andy to uh, this studio called the Pale Moon Ranch. Um, in January, we booked it for half the month. No cell phones. It's in the middle of the desert in California on the east side of the mountains. No stores, no anything. And my goal is just to basically bring him out there because we're doing an LP again, he and I. Um, it's just to bring him out there and basically piss him off so we get more lightning in the bottle moments. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Is that the... Uh, is that the... Um, uh, God, take Queens of the Stone Age spot? It is not. It oh, okay. is uh it, it's it's a studio that has like nineteen foot ceilings with panoramic views over the desert that's owned by Ugh. my friend Alex Estrada, who played Sounds in like a, it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it's owned by Alex. Uh he played in a band called Silver Snakes. Um and he he's done records for, you know, Joyce Manor, Touche. Um, you know, uh, everything you would expect. But he's he's an amazing dude and he God bless him. He's so sick. He just fucking bought a house in the desert and turned the whole thing into a studio. It's so cool. I I love that the first time you showed me the picture of the live room, I was like, that can't sound good acoustically, though, right? Yeah, glass sounds terrible, (laughs) but it's not about that. It's not about that. The record's going to sound great. Don't you worry. (laughs) I mean, how many many drum tracks have been done in swimming pools? Come on. They don't have to look good. Well, the drum track we just listened to is done in the basement of my punk house. See? There you go. So... Getting back into Fugazi, I gotta say, most of my Fugazi knowledge is mostly based off of the Wugazi record. Not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know what it is. I love it. I think it's great. No, no, but it's not Fugazi knowledge. No. No, it's not, but I'm saying, like, that's how, like, I know most of these songs. I mean, Fugazi does have some incredible, like, personally, um, I'm So Tired, I think, is a perfect song. Um... And I love Shut the Door. Yeah. Um, but that's mostly because of instrument. Uh, I think the live sure. performance of Shut the Door from the instru- instrument um, DVD, I think, might be one of my favorite like live performance videos. It's definitely one of them. Uh, and, and this actually goes back to Andrew saying like they're kind of using their instruments as an extension of their body. And... I said that. 
Yeah. It was very <laughs> profound when it you was, did it. It was cool. That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, like where they do their kind of down and they like immediately like mute all their mm-hmm. stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and they're doing it with this like, they're kind of staggering around the stage and they hit that and they both are like so in sync that it just like hits it and they cut it out and they do this thing with their like their knees bend in and it's really weird <laughs> yeah, they but do they're that. like literally like like strutting like like stomping around the stage in this like almost like hypnotic way and they just hit this moment and then just quiet everything immediately and it sounds so cool and also the fact that the drummer is playing he has that like super heavy brass bell yeah he's got the literal philly liberty bell as yeah, a fucking yeah, like, piece of his kit on like yeah. a c-stand <laughs> sure. with yeah. no knocker and he's just like tinging it like yeah it's so fucking cool but again i think that live version surpasses the version on this record like tenfold it doesn't surprise me at all right because I mean, so like that's why i say like i feel like yeah. they're a band that in the context of like seeing it where it's meant to be seen makes such a big difference as opposed to listening to it on record. Yeah. Maybe, but, but I also did, I also think it highly depends on when you hear it, like what, you know, what you're doing when you hear it the first time. Yeah. I mean, um, the first Fugazi record I heard was red medicine. It's great. Uh, I, I bought it the LP for a dollar 99, mm-hmm. you know, at some shop that didn't know what they had. And like it, I, I, d- I had no idea what I was listening to. It was the most amazing fucking thing. In fact, the first the first track, I thought my stereo was fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song um, is is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's for so sure. good. Yeah, but that record is so good, and 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 it's weird because it's the the recordings are so good, mm-hmm. right? Even even repeater recorded in what 89 came out in 91 so probably 89 or 90 yeah sounds current almost yeah it's because they're fucking awesome and that's right. what matters yeah who did this record that would probably be don, it was don Z. Ear, right? yeah inner inner ear, ear, yeah what yeah. a wild uh what document what documentary was it Food Fighters documentary went there. And he's just like, I don't, you know what I mean? I just started doing punk. Like, I didn't, I, you know what I mean? I just became people's guy. Yeah, it's the most (laughs) punk answer of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's, I don't know. This record to me sounds kind of like all over the place, personally. Which one? I don't get it. I don't think that's true. I mean, I I don't, I don't get that same thing. Dan, that is a, that's quite the statement given the music that you showed me a week or two ago in my kitchen. Which is is it is great. What was those fucking bands? Quote air quotes on this. I bands showed you, you... one hundred Gex. Yeah, and the Farrah Abraham record. It just sounds like it sounds like the output uh, of a generation that's been like falsely prescribed Adderall. And I mean, that's, like, that, that's exactly who and, and has this. computers. That's everyone who's been prescribed Adderall. Yeah, I think. exactly. Uh, <laughs> Jay, let me ask you something. Yeah. Wh- who? What current artist gets this close? to like oh fuck dude I... or like what artists in the past 10 years make it 20 well it's funny actually listening to this though i had some flashbacks of that cut you up record former former guest friend of the pod chris cote his mm, vocals kind of remind me of Guy's vocals okay and they are kind of doing a weird kind of jammy kind of punk uh you know kind of thing like Fugazi is tough because I just mean in the spirit. 
But oh, continue that thought because I want to know what you think. Well, so like Fugazi is tough because uh, it's it it is I guess jammy, but it is kind of untamed and but it's punk untamed. I think those two things are tough because I think a lot of punks are bad at. I think most punks are very bad at music, and so they like lean on power chords and simple structures. But the, you know, I think the sort of like undercurrent of punk rock is more an attitude and like an emotional connection more than it is whatever the output of the sonics is. It's like how we connect with those sonics. And so that's why like, you know, punk can mean so many things, but Fugazi did it in a way where we still sort of define it as punk. But like, if it was less abrasive, like Grateful Dead fans might like Fugazi in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they weren't so dissonant and minor and feedback and angular, like if it was a little more or whatever, like right. they'd be at the festival taking acid. But um, oh, you mean not like one, two, three, repeat or do 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 do? Like okay, <laughs> it's not far off from what you just did. <laughs> that does not sound like Grateful Dead, and we both know it. <laughs> um, Fish but, maybe though. Oh, dude, we are fighting. Um, I will say, <laughs> but I mean, the, the spirit of that, I think like Shape of Punk to Come refused. It was a long time ago, but it sort of had the spirit of that. Um, I would say new artists that have the spirit of that kind of dying for it. Who doesn't give a single fuck? Oh, single mothers, like negative approach, mm, sort of like yeah. didn't give a fuck. Single mothers it, definitely has that like nihilistic attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like was super awesome. Um, what else? I would say give a fuck? gloss. That I haven't dug into yet, but you're well, probably well, right. Gloss I just, was, I mean, insanely like maybe one of the angriest bands of all time uh, in terms of just how they sound. Like, I mean, kind of up there with the Soul Glow, I guess, but. Uh, they literally were offered apparently, like allegedly, offered like a million dollar contract by Epitaph, and instead they broke up. <laughs> yeah, they didn't take it, and they broke up because they're like, we're too big now. Yeah, that, like, I mean, that's Fugazi got offered exactly the same thing. Got offered like yeah. all the Atlantic contracts and stuff, and they're just like, nah. Yeah. Yeah. What well, one thing I did find out though is, um, so apparently, like you know, the the old joke is like, this is not a Fugazi t-shirt t-shirt mm-hmm. and. How they were so opposed to like selling merchandise based mm-hmm. off a lot of what they say in the song on this record, um, but later Ian Mackay authorized Urban Outfitters to make Minor Threat shirts. Sure, which I think is hilarious. Well, it's not Fugazi, is it? Well, no, but like he also <laughs> had the same thing about Minor Threat too. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to know who doesn't want to be a secret millionaire. I get it, um, <laughs> but. At least for who knows, people's yeah, circumstances change. Because apparently, Forever Twenty One was making like fake minor threat shirts or something like unauthorized minor threat shirts, and he shut them down, but allowed Urban Outfitters to do they it. Probably wasn't going to kick back. Yeah, um, yeah, seriously. Yeah, you know, I think it's really easy to demonize people. Like, and I don't mean demonize. I think it's really easy to. To look down on decisions that people make at different points in their life. Thank you. Um, Preach. Let's go. I oh, love where I this mean, is going. I, I think the sellout aspect of anything is such a far gone I mean, it's such, it's such a stupid term. Um, if if Ian all of a sudden was like, here's Fugazi shirts and here, I mean, here's the whole thing. I, I, I There would be a lot of people who would be like, this motherfucker. But I, you know what I mean? I, I think the I people think, who would care wouldn't be the ones buying the shirts. You know what I mean? Like the people old enough to care that he was making that decision 
would be far outweighed by the people who would buy the shirt. Right. But, you know? But the, all I'm trying to say is that people are allowed to change their minds at different yep. points in their life. People's values change. Yeah. Um, yeah, look at Kanye West. You know... <laughs> Circle back. <laughs> how, I mean, how old was Ian in... You he was, know, in he was 19 in Minor Threat. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean... I just well, he actually you know. does change his mind in the song "Shut the Door." Uh, I think that's part of the why I like that song more. It's it's a little less preachy than a lot of the other songs on this record, but it's literally him coping with the fact that he like demonized drugs and alcohol, and then one of his friends like passed away from a drug overdose. True, sure. and he was just like, "Oh, I wish I wasn't so hard on these people." You know, hmm. yeah, but I mean, think that. Listen, knowing where someone's at in a place in time and not holding that against them is really, really important. Because I was 19 in straight edge and thought I had it all figured out for sure. Same. Yeah, and I broke edge like 28 or something like that. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, not, I, I, I was 21. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were like, oh, it's legal. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah. no, once once it wasn't cool to do it anymore. That's when I'm like, oh, okay, now now I'll do it. You know? Yeah. Um. So in the different things like really can be valuable for people at different moments in time. And I know for me, like when I discovered, I was in skateboarding like my whole life and I discovered Fugazi first. I discovered Fugazi in 1992 and Mm -hmm. Repeater was the first record I listened to. In 1994, I somehow went to the record store and I bought a minor threat out of step cassette tape and I was skating with that. And when I looked in the liner notes and I was like, holy fucking shit. It's the same guy, just like brain break. What? Yeah. And I kind of yeah, like yeah. at that point in my life, because like, you know, Minor Threat is like more direct and faster, better for skating, easier to listen to. I was more into Minor Threat than I was into Fugazi at that point in time. And I took a lot of stuff to heart. You know what? I'll say that I'm very grateful that for as opinionated as Ian may have been, or definitely was, during those time about those things, he left behind something that a decade or so later, a kid like me could hold on to. People of that age, kids of that age, are so like consumed with who they are and what they are and developing identity. And like, I am not mad at all that the identity I clung to, I was going to cling to fucking something, right? We all do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what I clung to was like, I really think so positive. It was like, just like fucking don't do drugs, like fucking go do your thing, like go to punk shows, skate, like all this stuff. Like, it was like, honestly, looking back, while maybe, yeah, I had green hair and people thought I was a freak, I was a nice dude doing positive stuff. And I felt in a world where I didn't know anyone like me, it was that cassette tape that emboldened me to stick to. That was like, that was my crew. That was my community. And as I entered high school the next year, like I, dude, I'll admit it. Like I fucking X'd up for high school. Right. And like I had an X on my locker. Like I was like, my identity was straight edge, but like of ones that I could pick because I was probably going to pick fucking something. I was Looking back, pretty happy that I picked that. And I ended up with a bunch of friends. And dude, in my school, people would like X up, and then other people would be like, oh, fuck, are you like part of the J Moss cult? And it was like, oh no, it was just like, I showed him my threat. King you know? Straight Edge at your high school. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, and so 
while people do evolve and change, it's really cool that we can leave pieces of art behind that like might influence people a decade later who are going through something similar that he was going through through his adolescence, something that he clinged onto that was like really, really helpful for him, ended up being also really helpful for me. Even though people would be like, you know, he's not fucking straight edge anymore. Like, which is like I didn't really care. You know what I mean? It's like, this is like where right. I'm at. And it's like really cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, that's something I totally agree with, too. I think getting in the punk in high school kept me out of a lot of other shit. Uh, you know, like, in my high school, apparently there was, like, a huge, like, cocaine problem that cool. I... What's the address? <laughs> yeah, it was, like, that sounds <laughs> just like, no, like, But it was just, like, something that I never had any idea was happening because I was so far removed from it. And, you know, I went to more crazy parties as someone who didn't drink than I ever did as someone who was, like, drinking. And... It was just, I mean, it was definitely a decision because it was kind of an identity in the punk scene. It's like, oh, you were punk. And then there was also the straight edge punks. And it was like one other tier, you know? And then there's the vegan punks. And it was like a whole other tier, you know? Mm-hmm. And everyone kind of finds the tribes within the tribes, you know? But it was literally something I was like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm already pretty busy. I don't need to, like, add drinking into that, too, you know? That seems like an extra variable in my life that I don't need, you know? What happened to you, man? <laughs> I, know, I, no, I, I did the I, same. I didn't drink in high school, but that's only because I didn't have friends that drank. Sure. I mean, I didn't. I had friends that drank, but it was just, like, not something that I ever really felt the need to partake in. Like yeah, I would, nobody... I would bring like a case of soda to the to the party and like just drink on, you know, drink the diet coke or whatever. Or I, I at the time I was uh, bringing. Uh, do you remember Pepsi Jazz? No. Absolutely not. It was like weird. <laughs> it was like now all the cola flavors are doing all kinds of weird fucked up flavor combinations. But it was like, oh, it was like a vanilla cherry Pepsi at the time or something. Did and they call it like Pepsi a John Jazz? Train MP3 download or like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was uh oh that'd be a really good collab but uh yeah no like i it was just something i felt like personally it's like oh yeah i don't need that stuff you know and then i i honestly credit it to a lot of decisions that made further down the road i never went through that phase of like oh we're going over some person we barely know because they had a case of beer you know, like I never went so, through the shitty beer phase where it's just like, look, oh, we're, I, you, some guy funny. bought us Keystone Light and we're going to drink this shitty beer. Because you say that with like venom, like somehow your life is worth more because you didn't do that. And I don't think, I just think you had a different experience. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than those because people. I, not for those like, reasons. Those are, those are things uh, I do Why are now. you better than those if, people? If one, <laughs> if one of my friends is like, I have a case of Keystone Light, I would say... I'm gonna come over and drink some stones. I don't know what you know what I mean. But That's not, no, a, not, it was, not a problem. It, it was so okay. The best way I can frame it was drinking wasn't the center of whatever activity I was doing. And I know a lot of people who the drinking was the activity, not we're doing something while drinking. You know what I mean? Like the the activity was we're going over to a frat house to get drunk. It was like oh like. You know, but then there's a big difference. Like, oh, we're going camping and we're going to get drunk. Sure. You know, sure. and that was a big thing for me in terms of like I knew. I mean, I dated a girl in college who was very into that, and she was like, oh yeah, we're going to the frat party to she get loved drunk. camping. <laughs> yeah, Love yeah, she loved camping. camping. Real, real campers. Oh, if I yeah. had a camping girlfriend, that'd be pretty sick. A camping wife. Harry, Harry Pitts, dude. Yeah, yeah. Harry Pitts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, cowboy no. coffee. Come on, Dan. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, it was just that was a thing that I felt like I avoided. Like when I got to college and I was drinking, it was like, oh, I'm going to make everybody cocktails and we're going to watch like, a bad movie. Like it was never a like a bad movie. Uh, oh. We would have like, bad. We'd have like bad movie nights, and you know. Actually, can we pivot for a second? Sure. I don't know <laughs> if you guys like bad movies. I hate them, and I don't. I don't like wrestling. I don't like weird movies that are like. Isn't it so bad? Let's watch it. Can someone mm. explain to me this fascination with like watching something that sucks cuz <laughs> well i think there's a difference between stuff that's genuinely bad and stuff that's like bad in a sincere way which makes it funny and again this is like when i was in college like it was the era of like showing people the room who had never seen it well the room is amazing but like, that's what i consider like a bad movie in the sense of like it's bad in an unintentional way yeah, that one's so bad that, like, that's like being on the highway and, like, you look at the accident. Like, you shouldn't, but you look yeah, at yeah. it. Well, yeah. But that's the thing is, like, so many people have tried to make intentionally bad movies. And but you can't. That's the stuff I'm can't. exactly talking about. It sucks. No, like, I, I don't fuck with that shit at all. But, like, in terms of, like, someone who is so passionate and sincere making something that's truly terrible because they just don't have what it takes to do it, but have yeah. the passion to make it happen. But, but that's authentic, so that's it's Exactly. Great. There, yeah, there's right. authentic bad movies, but if you're if you're doing it in the spirit to intentionally make something bad, it's going to suck because there's no soul in it, you know? That can agree but that, that's what I mean, like, bad movies. We would watch, like, you know, So all the movies. Sharknado Yeah, that's um, intentionally bad, and that stuff sucks are bad, ass. But the first one is okay. I've never seen the first one, but expression can you think of there are probably so many people who who uh you know were lifers in the like film world who got roped into working on like sharknado or oh, listen, sure. it's on a plane listen, or something uh, a day like, rate is a day rate you know and if the union's paying and they're paying over time Yo, people don't. People who are like gaffing or do not care what the final product. Yeah, or like the color like. grading engineer who just had his third kid. It's it's, it's like yeah, hey, I'll take the Shark Dado three. Yeah, a good cool. a good analog to that is the recording engineer who records the metalcore band that pays. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's certain stuff that gets the bills paid, and it's a it's a tap that never runs dry. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I get that, but I just don't know who enjoys it i've been i'm speaking from experience here it's it's a spoopy month here and uh my <laughs> wife we've had a lot of friends over and every night we have some film that yeah. is is played on the tv and on the tv that like for some <laughs> on the tv that for some reason like oh we got to watch this like I, i'm like is there is there any plot like no I'm like, so. Oh well, if there's any genre that has more bad movies in it, it's horror for sure. It's terrible. Well, because it's not; it's a genre that that can't go mainstream. Kinda, I guess. But I think it's, it's like also a, good, a genre a that good, like is easy to. A good. Um, a lot of people watch horror movies and they're like, "Yeah, I could do that." I just feel like there's can. some connection between people who actively enjoy this content and then like incel school shooters. Like it's not entirely <laughs> disconnected, Christ. right? Like there's some <laughs> link. <laughs> no, I, quiet. I, the I room. used to live. <laughs> I used to live with somebody whose wife was like 
you know, talking about horror movie masterpieces. And I used to love getting into it with her and be like, sorry, that's not a, that's, there's no such thing as a horror movie masterpiece. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I feel different untrue. now, but I mean, I, yeah, like I watched Rosemary's baby last night and like, that's a fucking classic movie. Like that's a good it. fucking movie. At least has a good title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Roman Polanski, a man who's done no wrong, you know? Oh, he's got, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> It's, it's, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely ways to do it well, but there's so many more. That's like anything. Anyone, it's the stuff, there's so much bad stuff in the world compared to good stuff. Like the ratio say, of that is way uh, off. Oh, yeah, 90 yeah. 10. Nine, exactly. No, that's exactly the ratio. Minimum, I was nine, exactly. Minimum. It's, it's 100% 90 10. And, and I feel like a lot more of that oh. stuff is flooding the market, so to speak, because it's, the barriers of entry are, are so much lower. You Anyone can record something because on their phone. And there's that's a good difference and that's between, bad. There's a difference between people who get into things because they need that someone's artistic view or they need yeah. that versus people who get into something because it serves a utility. Whether it's passing time or whether it's... You know what I mean? Well, I, like, think, I think there's also a layer of people who have the need to create who also aren't good at it so they yeah, just yeah that's a bad really interesting well. point like you know? i just need but it's like bro you like kind of suck yeah you I know mean, what i mean I, but like the tools are more accessible so they just now they just get to there's yeah. no like barrier of entry it's just like i went to best buy i'm creating well, yeah, shit I, I think i mean that's something that's <laughs> yeah. plagued me in the digital photography world uh since i started photography in the sense that like Anyone can be a photographer now, and anyone can get their work out there because, like, Instagram exists, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, back when I started, it was, like, Flickr. And wow. it's same thing with, like, early Instagram. Like, the people who posted the wet photos of New York City in the rain were the ones, like, for some reason getting all the algorithm attention. And, like, the most consumable stuff kind of rises to the top instead of the, the better stuff oh, or the more artistic consumable. stuff. And, yeah, and that's you know, it's like the art you see that. at Home Goods or like in any Airbnb you've ever stayed in. You know, it's just like inoffensive art that's like pleasing to the eye, but it's like a very shallow enjoyment. And uh, but again, same thing with people making movies, people, anything content creators is everyone has the, the, the means to do it in their pocket at all times. Everyone has the platform to put it out into the public. There's no filters involved to, can i ask to, you a, 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 an you know? oddly meta question about what sure. you're saying right now yeah yeah are the th- are the three of us are we all loser fucking nerds just for analyzing this stuff so much you know what i, I mean where we're like we're going this deep on these like like is there a difference between me like giving so many shits about fugazi and you knowing all this stuff about fucking airbnbs and us going like like are we just loser nerds like going way down a thing i think because we can it be gives nerds us this, without like, being crazy losers sense? Well, this is something I think about an awful lot. Okay. Um, I thought about it today. I don't know if either of you follow the um, the Instagram account. We we need an instrument. It's a hmm. Fugazi specific Instagram account. No, I that just not. yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's just parts of their history. And somebody shared today uh, a gig poster from man. Where was it? It was a good venue too. 
somewhere that I was like, I can't believe they pay, they played there for six dollars. Um, but the show was with the Promise Ring, Jets Brazil, and Compound Red. Oh, okay, let's go. And I was like, that sounds like somebody curated a show just for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that did it. Sort of sent me down a spiral of like. Why do I care so much about this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, why why do people care about the Tom Mullins of the world? Right. As like, you know, people who who talk about these nostalgic things. Um, you know, is it is it really a good thing? Should we live more in the present? Should we even yeah, care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a great you know, point. Should we care about art that was that was made thirty five years ago? You know what I mean? Yeah, like we're still like championing like this emotional response that we garnered through like this experience where we were very susceptible to creating our identities and in a way we're almost like defending what we did in the past by like pushing forward so adamantly these like ethics or views or art or whatever, we still push them forward now, but we probably do it for like a a semi or if not more than semi selfish reason where we're Mm -hmm. like nurturing some deep insecurity inside ourselves to let us say that it's okay to like shit that we used to think fucking sucked. And when Mm -hmm. I was at, when we were a young fest two days ago, (laughs) I was directly confronted with this. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, nostalgia is absolutely being sold for sure and and i think we're also kind of a generation of people who remember quote unquote when things were better but it's the same people who look back on high school and as like the greatest years of their lives you know which is depressing to me personally i mean i i had some good years in high school but i'm like you know i'm not looking back on like a high school football career and be like oh man if only I can go back to that, you know, like my high school mostly was a blur that was kind of just like a, a stepping stone into, <laughs> you know, I think getting I out think of people, it. I think people look back at the nostalgia of high school through the lens of somebody who has to get up and has responsibilities every sure. day. Mm-hmm. I think high school was probably the last time, you know, cause college, you start to have real life responsibilities. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like responsible for I didn't go to sleepaway college but I would assume that most people who did it was the first time they were they were confronted with like man I have to like I have to steer the ship for myself now oh and, and, and there's a lot of people who didn't steer that ship right <laughs> and they instead uh, went to the I'm, house that had the keystone light you know I t- <laughs> what is it with you and keystone light I got a grudge against keystone light man yo know, stones are fucking good they're dog. not good um, <laughs> they're so good I had a Just natty insane. somebody handed me a natty light at a softball game recently and it was like the best beer I've ever had in my life. In that moment, just like okay, well, there's a big difference between context of drinking these things. It's just like a I beer think, tastes better after be honest, you mowed Dan, the lawn. You know, I think like, all I think all there is is context. Dude, I was gonna say that. Yes, like, I think isn't all context there is in isn't life is everything context. we fucking talked about today. Every context, the context well, of yeah, of finding something at the right time, having right. having the terrible beer given to you at the right time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Dude. Well, I think I think I think that's one of the things that I love about this podcast is that like yeah like we we po- we we position like yeah we're gonna talk about this record for ninety minutes like we talk about the record for fifteen yeah. times <laughs> and it's like I I have listened to this record anybody who's listened to this podcast has listened to this record or will listen to it after Not if Dan. they care <laughs> but like all I care about is 
like what is what is your lived experience with this? Yeah. You know, what was the context yeah. in which what's the context in which you consume this record now? You know and, what I mean? And like what I said is, at the top of the pod, is like I feel like I missed the context that made me appreciate this this record on a level beyond just listening to it in my car or on a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, Good and point. And also, this is I, I was going to make a context note when we were talking about nostalgia. Is I think nostalgia or like things that happened in the past is important context for the things that happen in the present. Like we are a sum of our experiences, and being able to put in new experiences or current influences into the context of what influenced them is important to just build a foundation of anything, you know and. I think, con- yeah, context is is super important in that aspect, and I think it it should be, you know, it should be paramount in terms of defining I anything. I think it really is. Do you think we'll see a Fugazi uh, reunion? Just depends on what they want to buy or how broke they get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they, uh, yeah, if they want to, uh, yeah, just them playing for six dollars again would be very funny. No, that'd be cool. I mean, I saw them for six. It was always five. And then I saw them at UNH mm-hmm. in 1995. So one of the fr- my first concert was Radiohead. And my second concert was Fugazi. Shit, that's uh, wild. Yeah. And um, I went there and I had the full Fugazi experience. I brought a bunch of money with me. I was fucking 15. You know, I didn't know. Like, I loved Fugazi, but I didn't. I was too young to understand show culture and like all you the got policies. there and you're like, there's nothing to buy. Which was, <laughs> yeah, dude. But later I was like, that's so sick. So I got there. What? And- who else did they play with? That oh, show? fuck. You're quizzing me right now. I could look it up. Um, it's like a rock band with a dude with wild hair. Uh, uh, the Rolling Stones. The Melvins. The MC5. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice guys. Uh, no, none of those. Uh, it was it, No one's ever heard of the band. Um, and I just sort of have it compartmentalized in a fragment of my mind that I cannot uh, access at this moment. But um, they were good. Um, but anyway... I saw them. It was six dollars because it was five bucks, but a buck went to charity. But they still did do the thing. They kept envelopes um, where, like, the person who takes the money is. That five dollar bills in them in case anyone was acting out. And I got to see that. So it was at UNH, which is University of New Hampshire, and their mascot or whatever it's called. They're called the Wildcats, right? So they're in the middle of playing a song. Ian stops the song and he's like, get up here, buddy. And he like fucking grabs this dude. He pulls him up on stage and he goes, you just fucking spit in that girl's face. What do you have to say for yourself? Right. And like the whole concert's like crickets, dude. And he just goes, Wildcats rule! Like some fucking drunk idiot. Right? <laughs> oh my god. Right? And, uh, and Ian's like, you're out of here. Right? And the guys come up, they take him up. And I looked over, because I could see, like, it was just like kind of an auditorium. I could kind yeah. of see where we all came in. It was kind of still lit up. You know, it wasn't dark like the venue was. And they just handed him the fucking envelope. Like, here's your money. Go fuck yourself. And I was wow. like, yeah, I'm in for life. That was fucking sick. Let's go. It was amazing. Yeah, well, it's 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 funny about that stuff now, how that same stuff plays out. Like, do you remember when Joyce Manor like yelled at someone for like stage diving on a girl, and it became yeah, like yeah. scene discourse for like a year, and it was just like some people like applauded him, but then there was like a ton of other people who were like, "Well, that's just what being at shows is like," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like it doesn't have to be. Well, that's like, why life was better before the internet. Yeah. Oh, oh! There's no denying that. Yep. That's right. <laughs> you know, no denying that at all. But it's it's just like 
the fact that everyone has an opinion on everything is well it's uh, just the fact that we value the opinions of these people that we don't know is absolutely mind-blowing like yeah. someone with like the all caps on twitter claiming uh, i don't know some weird abuse or some weird injustice or whatever but we don't like verify there's no more due process you just like oh i guess i believe you because you tweeted it's absolutely insane it's not that some of those people are not wrong and that's the unfortunate part is that it seems like the vast majority probably might come from an unsubstantiated background yet it really marginalizes those who have like real like issues like who might go through the effort of due process and who might go through the effort of actually like seeing this stuff through and i think it's like really really sad and so like to your point it's like uh, something happens at a Joyce Manor show, and then all of a sudden, like everyone's like supposed to like have an opinion about something that they weren't present for. Yeah, they all don't of a know sudden anything like about. They're pro only getting or the con reg- stage right, diving. Yeah, like. you're only getting like the reg- regurgitated comments of the echo chamber of a community that you're uh, somewhat semi associated with. Now everyone wants to know like what side, uh, fuck sides, by the way, <laughs> like what fucking side of the line you are on some like fucking issue. It is. As a Gen X man, it is some wild fucking shit. Oh, do you want to be on the podcast? My wife's here and she looks insane. Oh, no nice. one's going to see this. There oh you my go. god! All right. <laughs> Wait, Good we stuff. can definitely we can screenshot this thing. here. Hold uh, on. Okay, this, we'll... this will be our screenshot for the podcast. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey. All right. Ready? Three, two, <laughs> one. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no, do it again. Wait, How we get back there? How we get back there? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's great. Cool. All right. We got it. (laughs) Okay. Amazing. All right. right, Former guest, Jesse on the pod, Australian native. I married Uh, a good one. Is she like, Big Daddy Howie? Mate, you got to clean the kitchen. Fucking oath. (laughs) I wish you would. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. So uh, the last question I have for, for the room Um, whose vocals do you prefer on this? Ian's or Gee's? It depends on the song. It really does. Because there, there's there's no way that Gee could sing uh, Great mm-hmm. Cop. You know what I mean? Um, so, and there's no way fucking, uh, like, Ian could uh, approach Gee's vocals at all. Because Gee's vocals are sick, but they're, I mean, it's kind of what makes the band so sick. The vocals are so polarized, right? Like, yeah. like Ian is staccato and shouty, uh, often atonal. Right, but in a cool way, and Guy mm-hmm. is more like, like a fucking slip and slide, like, ah, like yeah. Oh, so, but done in like a, a really cool way. So, uh, is it weird that the first thing that came to mind with Guy's vocals on this record is it reminded me vaguely of the first My Chemical Romance record? That's so upsetting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first context on, on like, hate, hearing his that. vocals. I'm like, why yeah. does this sound familiar? And it kind of sounds a little bit like uh, like Gerard no. Way's on the first on the first My Chem record. That's actually but not also, a matter. It's not a matter of opinion. You just are wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. Any what, what are your guys like standout tracks on this record? I feel like we we need to talk a little bit more about repeat. Uh, yeah, Especially since Jay one. was like so specific. He's like, I know this record front to back. I know everything about it. I want to hear more. Like especially Jay. Like you're a recording engineer. It's like, so like, what do you think about this record? I mean, we already. Uh, I would so say merchandise, uh, shut the door, and Sifisid find are probably okay. yeah. yeah like, I would say Sifisid find and turnover. I think are yeah. my favorite songs on the okay. record. Yeah, yeah. Shut the door is my my favorite by a long shot. I think mostly just think, for the one line where she just uh, she's not coming back, back, back. Yeah, it's like so that good. sucks. It's, it's so like good. the most powerful part on the whole record for me. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting how different um, Gee and uh, Ian approach subject matter. And I think that it appropriately, like their voices are appropriately. I agree with you. What they need to be for what yep. they're singing about. Like Ian sings about like real world things. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not that Gee doesn't, but Ian, Ian sings about, you know, crack cocaine and violence and sure. like, you know what I mean? Like not obviously, but you know, that seems like, well, that's what he's talking about. Whereas Guy is talking about like French impressionism. And, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and I think that sounds great. like he's talking about French impressionism too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think I, I think I respect it more after, after hearing, and that, that happens a lot on records. I don't necessarily pick up when we listen for the podcast. And then when I hear people talk about them with more passion, it's like, Oh, I'll go revisit that. Look, it's funny that you said that in- instrument was the one that you go back to the most because I think that's easily the worst record. Well, no, I, I don't mean. But again, it's like also those songs and instrument I'm seeing in the context again of the video, right? You know, I have a, a hot take on that. My least favorite Fugazi record is "Steady Diet of Nothing," but um, although there's a couple mm. standout tracks on it, that's probably my least favorite one. Instrument is not a standout Fugazi record, but I think maybe what Dan's relating to on instrument might be that instrument sort of embodies in a culminative way, like the things about Fugazi that I think are cool. And was that thing we were talking about earlier with like jazz and like, like the, the human sort of like, uh, like your hair standing up on end, like feeling the performance like yeah. that I'm missing from music nowadays. I would say instrument obviously very much embodies. Yeah. And like I said, that I'll, I'll probably try to cut the clip from the, the performance of shut the door, like to go in the, in the, the carousel cool. on Instagram, just cause like I said, that that's what sold me on that for sure. I'll probably, I'm going to watch it as soon as we get off this. Soon. Yeah. I think I know <laughs> the exact just, clip you're talking about. It's dope. It's so good. And, uh, but again, I think that it's it's putting it with that live performance that really kind of sells it for me and not having that experience of like seeing them live or being a part of like what punk was at this time. Yeah. Takes me I'm a, I'm a bit removed from that connection to this, you know. But uh it, it's funny actually um In on the Kill Taker is the record that comes up most on this podcast. That record's amazing. I've never I've never Kill listened Taker. to it. Uh, dude, you it's should a ride. change that. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Look, if I Jay, if you were to if you were to tell somebody like this is your first time listening to Fugazi, what what would be? It depends on the person. If they were a chiller person, I'd probably give them the argument. It's very digestible. Yeah. Um, but if they were more punk, probably In on the Kill Taker is the most refined, like direct record. Although there's a couple challenging mm-hmm. songs on that, but like. Um, you know, Kill Takers has got the You'd Make a Great Cop song. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's got a couple songs on it that are just, like, really direct. Um, so probably that. Red Medicine. Like, if you grew up listening to, like, Primus and Mr. Bungle, I'd probably give you Red mm-hmm. Medicine. Um, Which is funny. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I do it like is... Mr. Bungle. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Mike Patton it, fan. Sure. It is. Um, what is it about that record? It's very bass and drums heavy. Um, Which one? Red Medicine. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely more, there's like more grooves on that record than yep. there are on most others. Um, I like, I mean, I think I like, I think I like Red Medicine besides being the first one I heard. I think I like Red Medicine a lot because um, I think Ian does something different with his vocal delivery on that record that he doesn't do on any other Fugazi record. 
Um, and it's like an intangible thing that I don't even know that I could describe. Sure. Um, but he like barks a little more. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. But there's also, this is a birthday pony. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. But um, <laughs> it was just insane. It sounds like Ian got Down syndrome and decided to fucking record a song. <laughs> um, <laughs> yo, you know what record uh, no one talks about but is so fucking good is End Hits. Like, it's maybe not the best one, but End Hits is a later Fugazi record that rules. So I'm throwing that one out there. Interesting. Interesting. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Fugazi's the best band of all time. Mm. All right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> all right, conclude podcast. <laughs> Jay, what do you what do you got the plug? You know, I think I think that's the cold open. Yeah, yeah. Fugazi's yeah. the greatest band of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jay, you don't even need to listen to the episode. Yeah, yeah. What do, what do you got the plug? Oh, you know me. I got lots. Um, no, I, uh, I would probably plug. Um, plug we've been plug work- whatever you got. We, we've been working really hard on monster.io, which is um, a cloud-based artificial intelligence. Um, my developer and myself came up with, I come from a computer science background, that empowers all musicians, artists, and engineers to upload their mixes to our AI and will make any track or any song that you have sound better, professional quality, streamable, the whole thing. So we've been working really, really hard on that. Um, and so that's been awesome. It's probably the nerdiest, but like... When we talk about um, empowering creativity in the sense that's like we're more interested in the performance, we're more interested in the emotional connectivity of like what we hear on the record. But at some point, there are some biological and scientific things like check marks that we want to hit to make these sonically as translatable as possible. So like the art is people, right? Like the fucking, the songs and the feedback and the delivery and all that, that's humans. But when we're talking about making that stuff translate on as many playback systems as possible, I think Monster.io is an amazing way to do that because you can put all of your fucking passion into your craft and you can upload it and you can let our AI do its thing and make it sound great on like literally every playback system. Just takes a couple minutes. You can try it out for free. So that is probably my first foremost thing to promote Damn. obviously are we yeah. are we on an elevator because that, that yeah, was a wait, pitch hold on yeah. I, now i kind of want to hear more about yeah, this I, bullshit I, but... I, I wanted to bring it up earlier but yeah jay is a computer genius well thank and, you uh he's, I would he's say working in my he's streaming your songs I, to the metaverse directly. The real genius but yeah um and you didn't and you didn't want to help jesse set up a mic a couple months ago <laughs> to do the podcast <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very busy with my ai <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the, that's uh, what I call it too. Does uh, does uh, Maester work with um, podcasting? Can we send you our files? Yeah, yeah, you totally could. So right now, it's geared more towards music. So that's no, music's coming dead. Podcasting in the yeah, future. I mean, kind of true. Coming, that, but that is in our pipeline, um, and that will come out soon enough. Um, right now, we're dealing with. Uh, there's a lot of data crunching that we have to do. So it's like right now, if you imagine, let's say you upload like a post rock song and it's eight and a half minutes long or something like that. Like we have to analyze like down to the sample, every last aspect of that song. So right now, until we modify the AI and the algorithm to know that it's going to be a voice centric context, we're dealing with music centric context. So that is to say, we're going to be looking at different things. Most songs typically fall under the 10 minute mark somewhere around there. And, 
And so we look at that stuff. We look at it at a macro and then a very, very hyper micro level. And then we create those changes for you that no one has fucking 15 years to burn to develop their psychoacoustics to a point where you could actually deliver a translative mix to all playback systems and have it sound great everywhere. We basically created something that takes like the nerdy science part. It does it for you. Be as creative as you absolutely want. Drag and drop and you'll get a great product. That's insane. Thanks. Quick follow-up question. Uh, which podcast do you think embodies the spirit of Fugazi? Um, <laughs> this one. Yeah, all right. Hell yeah. <laughs> Last podcast on the left. And the fact that we give all this premium content away for free. That is quite <laughs> punk. It's, it's nice. so punk. Dan, what do, you, what do you have to talk oh, about? Oh, Jay, no. Do you have anything else uh, besides... No, I'm, you know, I'm still making records nonstop. I'm working with an artist called Mags, um, who's doing great. I just worked on a, a great band. I was in Belgium over the summer working on a record. Um, I'm the manager for an artist called Aria, who just got signed. Uh, that's going to come out soon, so I can't say with who yet. Um, so yeah, I'm just like really active in the punk like music space in all aspects that I possibly can. So it's like, yes, I'm a producer, a master engineer, a mixing engineer, an artist manager, and a fucking... AI tycoon and we're just basically like <laughs> taking like this silo of shit that I really understand and feel very very passionate about and seeing how far I can take it all you're working within the punk vertical as it's kind of yeah yeah something you're, like that. you're navigating yeah. punk spaces yeah cool that's right. monster is that like it goes outside of punk that's like the one thing I do can really yeah, go outside yeah. of punk like everyone can just use it well you know if you were a true uh you know give it away for five bucks you know that's right. Green well, that's why it's only. that's why it's free to try, guys. It's so Fugazi and punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, Andrew, what do you got to plug? I uh, Dan, I do this podcast called uh, Run Into the Ground. You can find us on Twitter <laughs> at Run in the Number Two the Ground. Um, I've had some great tweets. One had two likes the other day. Nice, yeah. It was a crowning achievement. <laughs> uh, it had something to do with, I can't remember if I locked the door, but I can air drum uh, patchwork and marigold at the drop of a hat. Um, so yeah, come, come be part of the party. Um, uh, you follow us on Instagram at run into the ground. If you want to follow me personally, I have no idea why you'd want to, but <laughs> at uh, my spro called life. Uh, Dan, how about you? Uh, Dan Bassini on Twitter and Instagram, danbassini.com. All the books and zines you'll ever need. Uh, working on a new one now. Andrew got a sneak peek of it earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Andrew? It's very nice. <laughs> Perfect. It's very, very helpful in the, in the critical editing process. Uh, but yeah, no invite volume nine in the works. Um, who knows when it's coming out, but you know, it's in the works. That's all that matters. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, the pod tell a friend steal their phone and give us a five-star rating whatever you can do uh but yeah we love doing it the more people listen the easier it is to do uh and yeah another another hit in the books i think what we'll do you see. guys think we'll see yeah this was really fun yeah yeah, yeah. as long as we get jesse to pump it out to her like fifty-five thousand followers i think we'll be okay <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. I got the belt. Uh, She'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. It did. It worked pretty well last time. So we'll just Good. keep having you on in rotations. Yeah, just get Jesse adjacent humans. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah we'll get all of her, her. Her one blogger friends in town, right? She's got like eighty eight thousand followers. Yeah, Amy. She's what, upstairs. What's she do you doing tomorrow night? We'll we'll get her on the pod. <laughs> I'll bring her down right now. Just film a second one. Hey, Amy, <laughs> how do you feel about Fugazi repeater? 
<laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Jade. Oh, one, one last okay. thing. Okay. Uh, if you have a good hour of your life, everybody should go listen to the Wild Pink album, I Love You So Much. Such because if record. you haven't, it's... it's uh, I. You were a skeptic. I have... I haven't cried that much listening to an album in a long time. Um, I think John Ross to me is creating some of the most beautiful art that I've heard in a very long time. And, and it's, it's absolutely it's called wild pink. Just in it. Wild pink. Yeah. Yeah. The new records. I love you so much. And it's just, it's got it. It's unbelievable. It is. This is, I know you can't, that's me. That's on. Oh, Oh, you're liking it. We're downloading. Oh, right perfect! Even better. Uh, you John, know, it's John got, Ross come I, on the pod. <laughs> it's got a, it's got Julian Baker on it. Oh, cool. It's got uh, you know Mike Sloma Brenner plays all over it. Uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Jay Maskus plays on it. Oh, oh shit. yeah, that's sick. Yeah, um, but you know, I can't say I honestly can't say enough good things about this record. It's it's just such a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. So true. All right. Just like Fugazi. Anyway, that's my that's that was my last thing. I wanted to I, I wanted to somehow shoehorn. It's been such a huge part of my week. Yeah. Um, just listening to that record and uh and I, I would be remiss to not mention it. I've definitely put it on a few times when I should have been listening to Fugazi instead. So Well that's all that's the my time, endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay. Pleasure having you on. Always As good always. to see you. Cool. And awesome. uh, everybody else. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.